0: What's up, Suncast Nation? It's your boy Manny here, and it's just going to be me today. No Reagan, had to take care of some business, so it's going to be you and I listening and talking a little bit about Sun Conference basketball. No interview either. The next 30 to 45 minutes, it's just going to be me. And this may be, and I feel like me and Reagan are saying this every week and every day almost. This may be one of the most craziest days, one of the more craziest recaps. I'm going to have, you know, um, I wish Reagan was here to really talk about it. I know he really wants to talk about his Warriors and I hope I do him justice. I hope, I hope you you approve of, of my recap for the Warriors when we get there. But this weekend, I mean, no matter what you wanted, no matter what your cup of tea is, whether it's a game winner, whether it's double overtime games, whether it's thrilling games all the way to the wire, even if it's a blowout game, we just want to see a team dominate. We we saw, all we saw it all, we saw it all. And I think we're going to start in arguably the most entertaining for the men's side, for sure. The women's side, obviously, was a little bit of a different end of it. But we're gonna start with Saint Thomas and Avi Maria. Obviously, was on the call for that. Just so you guys know, we're gonna go all the women's and then we'll go all through the men's. For this game, I, I was happy for the Bobcats because it was exactly the game they needed—a bounce-back game. You know, uh, the performance against the fire on Wednesday—that wasn't Bobcat basketball. That wasn't the Bobcat basketball we've seen this year. But those games happen. And, you know, looking back at the stats, looking back at the game itself, it really was more the fact that Southeastern capitalized on the mistakes of the Bobcats as opposed to felt like the Bobcats just couldn't find any type of groove. And they couldn't. But again, that's more credit to the fire. But the Bobcats turned around big time game against Avi Maria because, you know, Avi at the time was part of that four-way tie between themselves, the Bobcats, the fire and the Seahawks. Obviously, that has changed a little bit now as we'll get into in a minute here. But the Bobcats come out, you have an amazing first quarter, 21-8 to eight in your favor. Then you turn it around and hold the gyrene to nine points in the second quarter. When you hold a team in this conference period, but a team like the gyrenes who are averaging nearly, or I believe they're averaging right over 70 points a game to 44 through 40 minutes, that's surreal defense. That's an impressive defense. And that's why I say it's a bounce back but more defensively. Offensively, 59 points is not going to cut it. I know Coach Walker wants that to be a much, much higher. You're know, talking about a team in their own right who can average 70 points a game or who is averaging 70 points a game, I should say. So definitely the biggest takeaway from them was the defense is there. The defense is legit and we've known it's legit. It's the offense that we're always going to keep an eye on and it's going to have ebbs and flows. It's going to have highs, even in the game, You know, 21 in the first quarter and then you never got really close to 20 again so it's going to have those moments but the defense is really where they're going to hold their hats on something coach walker always preaches and if that's the case like i always say defense is going to what's going to win championships so definitely a recipe for success special shout out to brooke bell guts because three points against the fire clearly her worst game of the season no sugarcoating it no one needs to beat around the bush about it she knows it everybody knows it and it really I was really excited because I didn't know what kind of game we were going to have in the sense of stat line. I knew she was going to come out and be assertive. I knew she was going to go out looking for a shot. She was not going to go three points. She was not going to have five shots at the end of this game. Now did I have 20 points and 12 rebounds on my bingo card. Absolutely not a double double for her, her first of the season. And the fact that again, 12 rebounds for probably the smartest, the smallest guard or smallest player on the court at all times when she's out there, it's just unbelievable watching her she wasn't settling, you know, she was getting to the basket. Obviously she had a couple shots from, from deep, but a lot of her damage was in the paint that floater in transition. Like I keep saying, she's the fastest guard in the conference. I'll stand by that coast to coast with the ball. So it was really good bounce back for her. Also want to shout out Bria Brown, 10 points is the second leading score. Also Martha Franco, just filling up the stat sheets. I think she's been very aggressive the past couple of weeks. You know, this, Seven-point performance uh, snapped her three-game streak of having double-digit scoring games, but seven points, three rebounds, five assists, three steals. Again, just filling up the stat sheet and doing what she does best, which is lead this team as one of its captains and one of the returners for the crew as the Bobcats now improve to a conference record. A 4-1, and they're still a part of that tie now for the number one seed. And since we're talking about the number one seed, We'll go to the other side where it was the Southeastern five versus the coastal Georgia Mariners. This was pretty open and shut. I think this was the one of the few games of the day where it was just Southeastern getting things together. You know, they, this is what they do. Now they're on a three game winning streak. It's just them and St. Thomas, like I mentioned, tied for the number one seed. I'm very, very intrigued because at the beginning, I think some people were kind of questioning or, or not questioning, but just a little more curious what, kind of fire team we were going to get you know we had some returning players we had obviously some new faces a new coaching staff but I've seen it firsthand I've seen it throughout the these four games these five games now of conference the fire legit the fire are the fire they're going to be there when it's all said and done they are going to be one of the one of the teams that you got to get through you know if they fall on your side of the bracket or not in the playoffs you got to expect that that team from Lexington is going to be there standing in your way also, the depth was on display today. I, I mentioned it against the when they played the Bobcats, you know, some unsung heroes, some people maybe deeper in the rotation coming in and providing a lot of points. And that actually kind of happened a lot throughout the uh, the day on Saturday. But yeah, five players who were in double figures. Two of them weren't starters. And they also took care of the basketball. They shot the ball very, very well. They basically did everything that, that you would expect them to do against a team in the coastal Georgia Mariners, who let's face it, the fire are just a better team right now. And they approved that with a double digit win. Kiki Bertsman was a standout player for me. 14 points, eight rebounds. I believe she has officially entered her name. She's officially sitting at the table of the player of the year conversation for me. You know, that's Brooke Bogas, Jasmine Edwards, I think Maria Coleman out of Avia Maria. And now I think Kiki Burtsman for sure. I think we're going to have maybe one or two more thrown in there. But normally I like to keep my, my type of, List about five because I think that's more more believable because at that point, anything lower, and we're really just kind of putting names in there at that point. Also want to shout out Maya Herman, 14 points, Becky Kaladiz, 13 points, Kelsey Krebs, 18 points, and Anaya Coleman, 14 points. They combined for 59 of the team's 86 points against. The depth was on full display for the fire in this big time win. Now we're going to move over to another one that I'm very excited about because I picked the upset. I got the upset. Another one for me, the Warner Royals and the Kaiser Seahawks. This is a big game for both teams because Warner, I feel is in that race with Weber and coastal as fighting for, you know, three teams fighting for that. Those last two spots, I should say, you know, obviously Florida Memorial, which we'll get to in a minute. Hasn't had a, hasn't won a conference game yet. Obviously. saw the second round of conference play to go, anything could happen, but it's obviously not looking good for them right now. So Warner is in that middle of the pack and These are the type of games, these are the type of wins that will allow them to get into that maybe even fifth seed. You know, maybe you can sneak into that fourth, depending on how how the rest of the season goes. But it's a big win for them. Meanwhile, for Kaiser, it's huge because it drops them out of that number one seed race for now. Obviously, like I said, plenty of time left. We're still... You know we have Wednesday and then Saturday and then we're back going on the second round of conference play. So there's still plenty of games left, but as of right now, they are not in the hunt for the number one seed anymore. Only a half game back, but it it makes this Wednesday, which we'll talk about in a second, the preview a must win, so to speak, for the five for the uh, Seahawks. Excuse me. When we're talking about possibly hosting, you know, being a top two seed in a conference like this, where a home court advantage could really be a determining factor. As for the game itself. I think it's really as simple as just the Warner Royals played their best offensive night in conference and in a very long time. I mean, a group that averages no more than 70 points a game drops 83, which is only the second highest of the season and the highest in conference. It just felt like they had a good night. And, you know, as much as we always say certain things should happen or or we look at the numbers, sometimes it's your night. And clearly it was for the for the Royals, 47 percent from the field, 50 percent from the three, 75 from the free throw line five players scored in double figures. If You told me that before the game. I said, yeah, the Royals are going to win against I would say almost anybody in the conference if not anybody because that is some very, very efficient, very, very good shooting night. And just for the record, Kaiser had a good night. It wasn't that they couldn't shoot. They couldn't throw a rock in the ocean. It wasn't nothing like that. Kaiser played a very, very sound game. I mean, the final score was 83 to 74. It was a single digit win for the, the Royals. But I just think Warner had a better, better night. That's what it was. You know, it came down to the type of game where you look at the possession battle, you look at the rebounds, the turnovers, and the steals. Warner won all those matchups, and then you add in the fact that they had their best shooting night in conference play. It's just something that hopefully they can build off. Again, I do. Th- I I pick the team to make the playoffs. I'm sticking by that. I'm just curious about where their seeding is going to be right now. The way things are shaping out, it looks like the highest could be the fourth seed. And that's still, I feel like a little bit ways away. I'm more looking at that fifth fifth spot for them. Standout player for me, Dianis Herdado, 20 points. Again, efficient shooting, five of seven from the field, three of three from the three-point line, seven to seven from the free throw line, also chipped in two rebounds and three, sit- and three steals. Just, I think, a perfect example of the type of night that they had where your leading scorer only shot the ball seven times and still got it 20 points, didn't miss a three-point, didn't miss a free throw. That's just kind of sums up the Warner Royals night against the Seahawks. Also, of course, going to shout out Jasmine Edwards, another double-double, 16-16. and 16. She's just out there killing it, pulling up amazing numbers. And also Bianca Francis for her own double-double, 17 points and 13 rebounds. Again, big win for the Royals. Hopefully, they can build off this moving forward as we get into the midweek games. And then we have the Florida Memorial Lions versus the Weber Warriors, again, on the women's side. Now, this one was a little tighter than I would have considered, because of just how good i feel like the warriors are playing um as credit to the lions you know they even though they're definitely in a hole they're still fighting every night every time they step out on that court they're trying their their best to get that monkey off their back you know i know they just want to get that first conference win maybe they feel like that could catapult them into a heck of a streak it's possible obviously but right now it just doesn't feel like it's coming it was an off shooting night but i would say florida memorial was more due to the weber defense i think the weber defense i've said it from the beginning of the year they have that part of them of their game their team of their game of their style has never concerned me i i've been again around the conference for four years i've taught a lot of people i understand what type of style the weber warriors are going to play when we talk about the defensive side of things especially around this time of year when conference is really in full swing it's always been the offense for me but with that said It's very good when you can force 10 steals out of the 15 turnovers that the Lions had. It feeds your transition game. It allows players like Jada Burgess, like Samantha Pacheco to really impact the game in the open court because, again, I believe they are the best offensive backcourt in the conference, and they continue to show that night in and night out. I also like the fact they didn't settle for threes. You know, it it really could have been a night where maybe the Warriors got a little trigger happy, but they stuck with it, and now... The same team that we were talking about, you know, at the bottom of the conference is now one game above 500 and they're trucking up, you know, they're, I don't, I'm not going to say that they're going to, you know, I don't know if about the number one or two seed, but that third seed is in play and the way things are shaping out, again, any night, anything can happen. It's getting scary if you're, if you're not really paying attention to those ladies in green stand standout player for me, Jada Burgess, nothing new here. 21 points, 9 of 11 shooting, didn't even attempt a three-pointer, Had three, went three for three from the free-throw line, 15 rebounds, a double-double for her as well. A lot of double-doubles this past Saturday. She is also the Sunday Conference Player of the Week, the reigning Player of the Week. Also checked in two assists, two steals. So just a solid game for Jada. Again, she's been the really the spark that they needed from the offensive side of things, and I, and I knew she would be when she came back and really got her feet wet and really got her game legs under her. That's gonna do the recap for for the women's side. As for the preview for Saturday for Wednesday games, for me, for, for me, I know obviously I haven't talked to Reagan about this. Looking at these slate of games, looking at you know implications for playoffs. I think you know we're starting to get to that point where each game is. You know, we've already been there, honestly, but now more than ever, you know, every, every day that walks that goes by, we're really looking at the seating and how things are going to shape out. I think the game of the day. It's going to be St. Thomas at Kaiser. I think that's going to be a big one because, like I mentioned before, with the Seahawks dropping that game against the Royals, they really need this win to have the Bobcats fall in the losing column as well. Meanwhile, the Bobcats, they can really put a little bit of a stranglehold here because I don't see the fire losing to the Lions, even though the Lions are are at home. You know, I'll get to that in a second. I think it comes down to a situation where – it's a little bit of a of a styles makes fight kind of feel I I I want to say where the Seahawks they're a little bit more inside you know they lead the conference in free throw attempts because they really pound the paint they're not gonna be the tallest team all the time but they their post players especially they know how to use their body they know how to get players out of the paint how to root them out of the paint and then just get the offensive rebound and they will make you pay. By finishing and ones by making free throws, so it's going to be a very situation, very interesting situation. Because you look at the Bobcats, where they like to run, you know, they're going to play small ball, they're going to play with four guards. You know, it's going to be very important for the post players, you know, Paige McDonald and Sophie Van Dyke to not be in foul trouble, as well as the guards to help the post players down low as best they can, whether it's doubling, digging, whatever it is. So it's going to be a very interesting kind of clash in styles. I think the Bobcats win because, in the end of the day, both teams play really good defense. And I just think the Bobcats offense is a little bit more consistent. I think they have a little bit more weapons, especially from that three point line, even though the the Seahawks in their own right have a few shooters, you know, they they have definitely a few, few knockdowns people that you got to go over screens, not under screens on, but I think the Bobcats have just more. And even though it's going to be at at Kaiser, I think the Bobcats come out with that victory. I mentioned it briefly and I'm going to kind of keep it brief. I just think the Southeastern fire too much for the Florida Memorial Alliance to handle right now. I think SCU is flat out playing better. They are the better team right now. And part of that is really just because Florida Memorial is not 100%. You know, it, it, you could really look at the stats on that stuff, but I just don't think you that would be fair to them because they don't have their full team right now. Um, in the end, I think it's a fire wire to wire victory, which is why I think that St. Thomas-Kaiser game is very, very important. Sleeper game of the day for me, Warner at Coastal. And this is and the reason I mentioned that the Kaiser warner game is big for warner is because again you're going to have matchups like this where the three teams that i mentioned fighting for those last two spots the warriors the mariners and the royals they're gonna obviously play each other and you never know that those could go 50 50 this game to me is a 50 throw- 50 toss-up to be honest with you but if those teams are able to get upset victories or or are able to win games against teams like st thomas like southeastern like kaiser that just happened like ave those those are the games that you like. Well, we weren't counting for that. So those are the games that I think will really end up being the the tiebreaker, so to speak. In this game, I have the Warner Royals. I feel like this is gonna be a playoff atmosphere type of game. You know, I think both teams understand that. I think more more the Coastal Georgia Mariners kind of understand that they need this win. But even still, I think that the Warner Royals, they just have too much. You know, I, I think I think they're really gonna benefit from their last game i think that's going to help their confidence you know i don't think they're going to get to 80 again but that's not to say they can't and i'm more so looking at a high 70s game and i just don't think the coastal georgia mariners have the offense to get into those mid 70s hot maybe 80 type of feel but the warner royals they definitely do they have the guard play to do it they have obviously jasmine edward who's going to be a big big factor in this game especially inside the paint but i have the warner royals winning in a I think it's gonna be a very, very entertaining game. Could even go into overtime the way, the way these teams are kind of being scrappy and and really want to try and get every win they can. Final game for me is the upset of the day on the women's side. I do believe the War the Weber Warriors go into Ali Maria and they pick up a big win. I think Weber's offense has a bounce back game. You know, like I mentioned. They didn't really have a, the best game, but I think that they had an okay game, and I think now they really kind of build off that, and they understand, like, look, we at the beginning of the year were not picked to make it in the playoffs. We were the bottom team in the conference when conference play started, and now we're a one game above five hundred. and arguably, we're being honest. I understand, you know, they're not at the top. Or I understand, but I would say they are playing the best basketball right now just because the trajectory has been a lot more upward than a lot of these other teams you know some teams have been kind of up and down not not drops not hills and valleys but i just think that the difference in those drops is a lot less for the warriors than there's a lot of these other teams not to say these other teams aren't playing very well they are but i think the weber warriors again we're talking about a team who we were kind of worried about, but they have turned it around. They have now put themselves firmly in that playoff spot. I think they will be the, of those three teams I mentioned, they'll be the ones that I have the most confidence in just because of the backcourt I mentioned, but also the coaching staff, the players. I think they just have a better feel. I, Think they can catch Ave a little off guard as well. I don't think the Ave zone is going to slow down Jada. I think Samantha can attack the gaps and really have another high assist, high assist game like she did last time against Florida Memorial when she had eight. And in the end, I just like the playing of Weber. Like that's really what it comes down to. And Ave is at home and Ave is not going to let it be easy. But I think upset is coming for the Weber Warriors. Now to the men's side, and you know. The men's side of this is, it, the women's side is a fun. It's awesome. I think the men's side might be even more fun just because I honestly don't know. I know Ray doesn't know either. I, nobody knows. Nobody knows what to expect on a Wednesday night or a Saturday afternoon. Nobody knows. And the best way to put that is we're going to go to where we started with the women's in Ave and St. Thomas. I mentioned before in the preview, I don't remember my exact words, but I mentioned that I was more concerned about how the Bobcats played now, obviously the wins the most important thing but I'm more concerned about the way that they played and the way they played to me they may have played their best basketball in conference. I I know they didn't win and some people might, might not understand that one but to me after seeing this team, you know, obviously I follow them every day. I've been to practices. I've talked to players, coaches. I think they played their best basketball because you're going up against the AVE team who just lost their first conference game, had an off-night shooting, 66 points. It's not going to happen to them. Lost at home. You know, they, they maybe they felt like they should have been top 25 when the polls came out Wednesday. They were receiving votes against a team that moved up in the rankings and the lines. So they, it was all built in for the gyrenes to come into Miami Gardens and have a huge, huge game. They didn't. It was a nail-biter. It was a game back and forth all the way through. Even when the gyrenes got to within, got it up to 11, which was the highest lead of the game, the Bobcats hit a big-time three, whether for Milton Matthews or Jordan Hernandez, or made a big-time play. So I like how the Bobcats played. In the end, though, the gyrenes were just too much. And by the gyrenes I mean Miles M- Montecourt. That boy was on one. You know, if you watch that game, you understand. I, I was on the call and I was out with that loss rewards. Like he came off that bench, played 27 minutes, went 10 of 18 from the field. Eight of those 10 were threes. Eleven of the attempts were threes. He understood that it was his night, and I'll be honest with you, some of those shots were too open. And I know Coach Patton and the staff were not happy with some of the looks he was getting. Because it just they were they looked like mental lapses they really did. In the end, though, a twenty nine point performance from Miles. I think that's actually again that's why I say the Bobcats I feel like played very well because he was the only player who got above fifteen. The next highest score was Jalen White, which ended up hitting, who ended up hitting the game winner, uh, the eventual game winner at the end there. With that being said, I do think that the Bobcats, they they didn't close it out, you know. It, it down the stretch, it, they missed free throws, you know, not not under again defensive assignments, stuff like that. That it hurts because you got to look yourself in the mirror on those. But that, I think that's what it was. You know, another close game, and you know you just won that one against the Fire. You you had the one against Florida Memorial that went that didn't go your way. You had the one against Warner Royals that went your way. So it's like right now in t- close games, I don't know how I feel about them. I, I like their chances. I think they they can win any close game with the st- talent that they have. It's just a matter of of actually going out and doing it. And I mentioned that Miles Montecourt, he's obviously my standout player. Got to shout out J- Jalen White again for that game winner. It was a tough bucket. It was a big time bucket. Literally first half, 41-41. Second half was 41-41 until White hit that little mid range little paint jump shot and ended up winning the game for them. So it was a big win for the gyrenes. You know, I bounce, another bounce back for them, just like how the women's for the Bobcats bounced back. I think the men's for the gyrenes did it as well. You know, another 84 points. Uncharacteristic, but again, up to up to par with them. I do like the fact that they did not shoot that many three-point attempts. You know, only 25, and I say only, but for them, I feel like that's really low. Got to the free throw line a lot more, 13-14. to Again, some Bobcat fouls there, obviously. But if this is the type of game that they have, I think they're a lot more dangerous, believe it or not, than if they're putting up 100 a game, because I feel like then that you're relying too much on the three ball and that off night comes and now you're not ready for it. So I think this, this gyrene scene to me is a lot more dangerous than necessarily the one that's putting up 100 plus a game. Are going to move on to the, I think, and I'm sure Reagan will agree, the game of the day, Coastal versus Southeastern? That thing went not one, but two extra, extra innings to overtime free basketball for those that were in attendance for those of you that that were watching and in these games for me i always look at the others i look at you know who's coming off the bench who's affecting the game you know obviously like i said this game was a treat it was a treat for everybody involved i wish i would have watched it live um and i think it was also good because it's two teams kind of jockeying in the middle of the pack you know we mentioned that coastal is they put themselves in, in fair contention to be a playoff team. You know, some a lot of people had them out of the playoffs. I think they're right there squarely in it. I'm sure Reagan agrees. Southeastern, same thing. They're right in the middle of it. But in the end, the credit goes to Southeastern because I believe they had the better offensive day by those players who you maybe aren't so aware of or or so accustomed to hearing. You know, for Coastal, obviously, MacArthur and Giles, they combined for 61 points, but the rest of the offense for Coastal only had 31 just not gonna work. And I feel like they were also more disciplined than Coastal. Coastal committed 25 fouls. That led to the fire shooting 36 free throws. That's also where I say the fire to let the Mariners hang around. Because yes, you shot 30, you got 36 free throws, but you missed 10 of them. You make half of those. We're not in overtime. You win the game in regulation. It's still a close game, but missing that many free throws in the in this conference, in this year's conference, in this year's version of this conference, it's not gonna, it's not gonna do you anything but hurt you. So you definitely have to make do good on those charity stripe opportunities. In the end, that was a big win for the fire. I like the trend of their offense. I think it's been really working upward the past two games. So I, I think this could be one that we look back on and say, because they won that one, Really helped their confidence, really helped the, the swing of the team. For me, a standout player, Reggie mezador 18 points, 7 of 12 from the field, four of six from the three-point line, seven rebounds as well, four assists, two steals, just doing what Reggie does. Filling up the stats sheets being uh the leader of this team. Also want to shout out Makai Vessel, 19 points, six rebounds, three blocks. Very, very good game for him as well as, and again, some of the names you may not mention that much, or maybe not don't know that much. Anthony Duncan, 13 points and Derek Murphy, 12 points. Again, unexpected factors offensively that I feel like comes that that is what I feel like will win these types of games, you know, double overtime games at certain point, it becomes who can hit that shot that you don't expect because at that I, you know who's going to have the ball. You're going to start sending double teams. You're going to start pressing them. You're going to start getting that ball out of their hands and making other people beat you to the fire's credit. Even though the Mariners did that, they were ready. To, they were ready to answer the call. Now we're going to move on to Warner Kaiser on the men's side. I just really saw two things, a semi bounce back game from Kaiser and a game with a style that favored them more than Warner. You know, we, we know how Warner they, they have fast players you know like blaze and and others but they would rather play at their own tempo meaning that they want to run when when they want to run they don't want to get sped up by the other team they don't want to do none none, none of that stuff and that's obviously a good recipe to set to have problem is i feel like the seahawks kind of benefit from that more because they kind of play the same style and i think we just live better players i think they have a better team and that's what happened in my opinion you know, and I say semi-bounce back because, yes, while they won the game, I didn't necessarily like the three-point uh, numbers. You know, I, I think if you're going to want someone like Vincent to affect the game inside, if you're going to want players like Sermons and, and King and others to be able to work less or work or not work as hard on the offensive side to create gaps for for themselves and for uh open shooters to really dice up the defense, whether it's with their passing or their scoring – you got to open up the floor. And the way to do that nowadays, obviously you got to shoot the three ball. You got to shoot at a really good rate. If you we've seen plenty of teams this year, lose games because they've either fallen in love with the three ball, or they haven't had a good night from the three, something along those lines. And I feel like it could have happened here. I think that you credit the Seahawks for still pulling it out, but at the same time, you look at Warner, I feel like they also have an off shooting night. You know, we know they can shoot better and, Ten points. That was the final score. Ten points was a difference. In the end, that can disappear so fast with with the with the way that people shoot the three ball now. So, yes, Seahawks won, and it's a big one. It's a big win for them for sure after after dropping them on the coastal. But I I don't think it necessarily means too much because I feel like there was other factors that involved in it. But in the end, a win is a win. A win is a win, and right now, if you can get any win, you will take it. For me, the standout player, Calvin Sermons, 22 points, 5 of 12 from the field, 12 of 18 from the free throw line. That's what I'm talking about. You know, you love to see a, a small guard really get into the paint and getting foul calls, you know, getting rewarded for his for his effort. Also chipped in eight rebounds, three assists, a block, a steal, just stat sheet longer than the Chick-fil-A line. Shout out to Vincent, another double-double, same old, same old. Almost had a 20-20 and 20 game, only 20 points, one rebound shy of that. Also had two blocks and a steal for him. Again, Kaiser, I feel like they have a big time matchup uh, Wednesday, and we'll get to that in, in a second. Now, I'll be honest, um, because I was expecting uh, Reagan to be here and talk about his game, this game against the Warriors and the Lions. i actually texted him because the St. Thomas game kind of finished, uh, started late, I should say. And so popped across my phone. What happened? I sent him a text and he was he was ecstatic. I will say that. So I literally have it here on my notes, all Reagan. I was just going to let him go, let him cook. Obviously, he's not here. So I will try my best. Reagan, I hope I do you justice. I believe his first word would have been, we're back. Now, with that being said, what my first words are going to be, what a win. What a win for them this they were back to their backs were against the wall. You know, I'm gonna call it how I see it. Their backs were against the wall. They needed this win, super bad. You know, Reagan. I think he mentioned that he knows where the panic button is, or he's looking at it. One of those things. For me, my, the panic button was it, it was not pressed, but it, it was my finger was on it. You know, what I mean, it it was a very, it just wasn't the start you wanted. And obviously, you look back at some of these games, and you could say, well, if this would happen here, this would happen. There's always a team like that, and I've just. just it's unfortunate that the Warriors are that team this year. That feels like they're on the wrong end of a lot more of these losses than wins. But with your backs against the wall, at home, and a lot of people thinking this could be your, kind of writing your eulogy at this point, you know, you, you fall to to one and four in this conference. That could be your season, and we're not even halfway through. But that could be your season because now you're putting a lot of pressure on the team. You're you're pretty much in playoff mode for the rest of the year. You can't drop anything. You can't have an offline, nothing. But the turn around and, you know, Nesby, big time players make big time plays. And this was a big time game for him to go out and five or 15 shooting, you know, four or 12 from the three-point line, nine or 10 from the free throw line. You know, you look at the numbers, you might say, oh, that, that, that's not anything crazy shooting wise, but it's not necessarily about the shooting. I like that he went out and shot 15 shots. I like that he went out and had six turnovers. Why? Because that means that he was being aggressive. He was being assertive. He was going to be the one to go out there and say, look, guys, if we're going down, we're going down fighting. We are not going to let this be the way our season ends in January, not even getting to February. So 23 points for him, four rebounds, a block. He did what he had to do as the leader of this team. You also have a double-double performance from Jordan Golden. I feel like if Golden really takes this game, bottles it up, and just continues to move with it, huge huge for this team moving forward 13 rebounds 10 points also had a block as well protecting the paint aiding the hole we know him as a score five steals big for him also five assists I we all love scores or I love scores especially who not only can put buckets can get buckets can can put the ball in the hole but you also create for your opponent for your teammates you also create opportunities for your teammates you also make sure they stay involved because at the end of the day that will Make your job as a scorer so much easier. So really big shout out for him for five for the five assists. In the end, huge win. I mean, you you can look at the stats and you can break it down, you know, and and I'm a numbers guy, so I would love, I love to just look at it and see what, what stands out to me and all that stuff. Honestly, this is one of those games where if the Warriors really have the goals that they have that they say they have, if the goal, if the Warriors really believe in the goals that they say they believe in, they were gonna win this game. They were gonna win this game no matter who was on the other side for the for the lines because they needed it. This was a playoff game for them. This was a playoff game, and I and I might be be putting a lot more into it, and I probably am. But that is the way they should have been thinking because again, falling one in four in this conference is really 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 hard to just claw your way back even to a sixth seed or a fifth seed. So special shout out to them, Reagan. I hope I did justice at least on the on the we're back. I hope I did justice on that and. With that being said, let's head on to the preview for Wednesday again. That's to me tomorrow. A lot of good games. A lot of games that I, that I like. A lot of games that that I'm I'm looking forward to. For me, I honestly don't think there's a bad matchup to um going to uh, gonna be tomorrow. I really don't think I could have put any one of these games as the game of the week, a game of the day. Anyone that's also been upset, you know, it's a lot of a lot of great, possibly even playoff matchups for the future. For me, we're going to pick up where we left off. I believe the Weber Warriors are going to upset the Ave Maria Jairines. I said it. Reagan, again, I hope I'm doing you justice. I think that the Warriors, they find that new found confidence. They they get their second win. They flip the switch. Whatever you want to say, whatever analogy, whatever phrase you want to use, I feel like they do it. They go into Ave Maria, and they upset the Jairines. Is it going to be easy? No. But... I still believe the Ave Maria effect is a thing. I still think that teams tend to have their best offensive night against the Gyrenes. Even the Bobcats, even though they didn't pull up necessarily the high points, I feel like that was one of their better offensive nights as a team, as a unit. So I think that the Warriors will do that. I could see a Nesby 30 ball. Just saying. I could see a Nesby 30 ball. I think Holt has an, at least 20. And then I think the rest of the crew also chips in. I think, again, Golden has to. Really be an X Factor for me. I think if he becomes from an X Factor to maybe that third, third consistent player, this team becomes a whole nother animal. And I'm really excited for that. Obviously, for the gyrenes, it's simple. Get what you did, do it again. Be you to me, again, any any team that is able to score in a variety of ways is much more dangerous than a team that necessarily only relies on the three-ball. I understand how important the three ball is. I understand how pivotal it is in pretty much every and any offense, no matter what level of basketball we're talking about. With that said, we have seen it. It is going to go cold at one point. At some point, you start seeing the ball rim out and you start wondering yourself how, how. But if you have all their other ways, if you're attacking the paint, if you're getting to the free throw line, if you're getting those threes that are in the flow of the offense, that is when I think they become their most dangerous. So if they're doing that consistently moving forward, it's going to be tough for me to pick against anybody against them. With that, we're going to move now to Warner Coastal. Similar to the to the women's side, I feel like it's going to be a playoff type of game. I think these two teams need these these games. You know, both of them are coming off of a loss in their last one, so this one kind of aim, picks up a little bit more. And then we're going to see just good old-fashioned basketball. Good team basketball, good, you know, styles kind of kind of in sports will be the same and other sports will be different. I got Warner. I think Warner's going to do it. I think Blaze has a 25-point performance. I think I think he really is going to bounce back and what I feel like maybe he thinks wasn't necessarily a good showing against the Seahawks, even though he had 19, I believe. In the end, I think the Warner Royals have it in them. They they come out with this win, and I think it's going to be a big one for them again because once we come down to playoff time you look at the seedings, we look back at the season, we might say, you know, that one could have been one that, that Coastal really needed. Moving on, sleeper game of the day for me is gonna be Southeastern Florida Memorial. Reason being, Florida Memorial, they they I feel like they they need this one. You know, I know they're number 16 in the team in the nation. I know that they have the talent to to win it all this this year in the conference and and go far in, in the postseason if if they have the opportunity to. But this southeastern team, like I said before, I, I like the way this offense is trending. You know, I, I like the direction, the guard play is very key for them. With that being said, I'm actually going to flip my pick here and I'm going to go with Florida Memorial because literally, as I said, the guard play, I thought to myself and I was like, Florida Memorial's got size. They've got some size at the guard position, not just down low, but at the guard position. So I'm going to go Florida Memorial here in a tough one. I don't think it's going to be an easy one. And also at home, I think the the Lions understand that they need this one. They They really want to get this one. Again, you lo- you lost one of the Warriors in a situation where I think the Warriors would beat anybody. I really do. If, if they if they play with that same intensity that that I I believe they played with, they would beat anybody in the conference on that Saturday afternoon. This one's a little different though, and I'm not saying the lines back against the wall because they're not. They're they're sitting there. They're in a good position, but you don't necessarily want to drop one that may that you're you're not just a favorite in, but I'd say you're at least a eight to seven point favorite in. So definitely want to want the Lions to try and come out with the win here, even though the fire are going to make it tough for them. Final preview, again, game of the week or game of the day for me on both the women's and men's side, St. Thomas Kaiser. This one is the same kind of as the women's side, but flipped. I think it's the Bobcats who need this one to keep their, their aspirations of a high playoff seat alive. And I still think the number one seat is not play for them. It's gonna take a little bit of a, a some some other scenarios going their way, of course. But I think that they the biggest thing is right now taking one from a team that's above them, and that is where the Seahawks are. The Seahawks are uh, ahead of them in the standings, two spots ahead. You know, Seahawks right now to a uh, three and two Bobcats two and three. I think if the Bobcats can win this one, it really helps them because. I'm looking a little bit forward. You know, that next game against the Warriors is not going to be an easy one no matter what happens on Wednesday between them and the 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 Jirenes. I think the Bobcats need this one. I think the Bobcats get this one. I do pick the sweep for St. Thomas. But if I had to pick against one of them losing, I would say it's the men's side because the Seahawks, I feel like, are playing very, very well. I feel like the guard play is going to be very important. At the same time, the big and the the pipe pe- presence from the post players is going to be very important. Obviously, you've got to slow down Vincent. This is going to be arguably the best big on big matchup, I think, so far. You know, you've got Karius Warren, who my guy jumps on a 10-foot hoop like like people jump on a mini hoop. So he's obviously going to be a presence. And Vincent, who just understands how to use his body, his footwork. He loves physicality. He loves to get down there, bang down there with the, in the paint. I think we're going to have a similar situation where two different styles, you know, uh, not as athletic player or a very athletic player, I should say, in Karius and a more traditional big in Vincent. So I think it's going to be a very good thing to watch. Also, the guard play is going to be very important. How do you slow down Sermons? Can you slow him down? Can you really make his life very hard? Obviously, you've got bodies to throw on him. Kyle Feldman kind of matched the speed a little bit, you know, obviously a little bit smaller, but very, very quick, very, very fast. Daniel Goro who maybe isn't as fast but obviously six foot plus can be a deterrent can be a a hindrance for sermon when it comes to length and size very excited to see how this goes and I also think that the the problem for me for the Seahawks to slow down the Bobcats is I think Josh Taylor has a really good game. He's been really coming along, had a career high 25 uh, just last game against the gyrenes I think he continues to build, you know, he's had some double doubles back to back now. I think Josh Taylor's finding his groove. That's gonna be a very, very scary thing because he understands, look, that mid range is open. I'm going right there. I don't need to shoot threes. I don't need to get the basket, even though I can. I like that mid range, you know, kind of, kind of reminds me a little bit of a Kawhi-esque type of situation there. Um, so I'm very excited to see that very excited to see all these games like like we keep saying every single Wednesday night and every single Saturday afternoon if you've got nothing to do even if you have something to do I would honestly rather watch some some conference basketball whether it's men's whether it's women's should be both if I'm being honest but I think it should be a lot of fun I think we're gonna have you know at, at this point we're gonna have to start I'm gonna start telling Reagan we, we should pick how many overtime games how many game winners how many how many go-ahead buckets how many late game situations like because this is getting ridiculous at this point I mean I'm, I could look at any of these, any and all these games and they could, any of them could be overtime games. So very excited. Uh, Reagan, thanks again for letting me do this this little solo one. Uh, Looking forward to getting back with you uh, for the recap of Wednesday and the preview of Saturday. Like I mentioned guys, just me, no interview. However, stay tuned for that next episode. Cause if you've been following along, you listen to last week's episode, you know, what's coming up this in this next one. But if you haven't, Sorry, I'm going to have to leave it at that. I have to go back and try and find it because it's just going to be a surprise for you guys. All right. With that, appreciate y'all. Have a blast watching Wednesday's games, and we'll be back at it next next Thursday.